you have to be very strong. You get to see the worst of people. You get to see things that people don't see. It's very demanding. You're going to lose a lot of sleep. It will affect your health. It's very stressful, but it's a lot of fun. This is Professional Confessionals. We're joined today by Sheriff Robert Langley. Thanks so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Let's dive right in. Tell us about your path to the present moment. Where did you go to college? What did you plan to pursue? And at what point did you become involved in law enforcement? I started my career path in uh, public service by volunteering with the Volunteer Ambulance Service in the town of Carmel and the Volunteer Fire Service in the hamlet of Mayapak. I had a strong interest in helping others, and that led me into my career path with the sheriff's office in 1984. So give us the progression of 1984, starting with the sheriff's department, and give us the story of to the present moment. Well, once I started with the sheriff's office, I started out in the jail division where you had direct contact with people who were put into the custody of the sheriff's office for crimes they have committed or sentenced for crimes that they had committed. And you would begin to realize that there's certain issues that happen in people's lives that cause them to commit certain crimes. Specifically, someone who suffers from a drug addiction, you see that they're always coming in for crimes for stealing from others. And that's iconically to support their habits. So I had more of an interest of getting more directly involved with people and sought to become a patrol officer with the sheriff's office. I, after two years working in a jail, I was promoted to a deputy sheriff's position where I actually did patrol work and having direct contact with people in the community, uh, people who may have committed crimes, people who needed help for crimes that were committed against them. And if I was involved with someone that was involved with committing a crime and you could see it was something where someone was struggling and that's why they were resulting in committing that crime, I would often result in guiding them to ways of helping themselves and bettering themselves and turning their life around. And this just became a passion. And as my career went on with the sheriff's office, I attended college down at John Jay in Manhattan. I attended some college at uh, Rutgers in New Jersey. And everything was criminal justice related. This is the career path. This is what I want to do. This is how I can help others. This is how I can make a difference. And I had the pleasure of seeing where I've made differences. And I've also seen instances where people are at their worst. And, you know, if you can make just a little bit of a difference, make it a little bit better, it, it just gives you that feeling that you've done something for someone else. And as I continued with my career, I became involved with canine division and had a canine assigned to me. And again, this enabled me to help others, by utilizing a police dog 
whether it was finding someone who was lost, someone who was distraught and ran off in the woods to do harm to themselves and locating them and preventing them from doing that harm and giving them that second chance and saving their family the grief of losing a loved one. Then I became involved with investigations where I was assigned to the forensics and identification. And that's where you really had to put the puzzles together. Because you're just going into something and you're reconstructing what happened here. And that was very challenging. And if you like a challenge, you work very hard to solve the problem. And I enjoyed the challenge. And it was nice when you completed that reconstruction and you could see everything that happened without ever having been there. It sounds like your motivation was out of a desire to help people. You saw a need in the people that were committing the crimes. Is that, am I understanding that correctly? My desire is to help others. It it always has been once I became involved with that. And even though somebody's committed a crime, doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad person. Yes, there are bad people out there. There's no doubt about that. But that doesn't mean everyone is a bad person. Sometimes there's an underlying condition, whether it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's something that happened in your past. If you came from an abusive home, it becomes a learned behavior. That's what you know. That's what you were taught as a child. It's okay to behave like this. But that could be untaught. And if you can point someone in the right direction, you're making their life better, you're making the life of their family better, and you're making the community in a whole better. How representative is your attitude amongst law enforcement colleagues in general across the spectrum? Would you say that you're a good representative of others in the field? I think in today's day and age, you see law enforcement has been painted in a different light. You see the bad side of law enforcement, but you don't really get to see who law enforcement personnel are. We're really not the bad guys. You know, we do want to help others. But unfortunately, with what's going on in our society in today's day and age, all we see is the bad parts. You never hear about the good parts. You see all the demonstrations, and you see the police that have to come in, and they have to clear that mess up. And there's a lot of emotions on both sides. You know, law enforcement has a job to do, and that's to maintain the peace and keep the streets open so people can travel back and forth and get to work or get to their whatever employment they have or get their child to school or a student might be going to school and and they come across this. And we're just trying to make things better. You know, law enforcement's not out there to go and just lock everybody up or get physical with someone. We're all taught the same. You want voluntary compliance. Just talk with someone. Treat someone the way you want to be treated. And this is what we're taught. Back in my day, it was called verbal judo. They've changed the title to it, but it's still the same principle. It's all how you talk to someone. If an officer comes in there, 
and immediately you're going to do this. Well, you've just taken that person's emotions and raised that level of their emotions to make them combative. Whereas if you come in and say, hi, I'm Robert Langley. I'm with the sheriff's office and we have a complaint that you folks are here and demonstrating and you're obstructing the sidewalks and people need to get back and forth to work. I'm quite sure you work, you have a job to get to and you, you don't want to be delayed in getting to your place of employment. And you try to establish that line of communications and get that voluntary compliance and try to have both sides have a happy ending result with the situation. You know, unfortunately, sometimes there are instances where it has to escalate to where you have to use a little physical force. And sometimes that physical force can escalate to a higher level. But all law enforcement, from what I see, we're out there to help people. Were there key moments in your career that lifted your skill level or were a key to getting you to where you are now? As far as lifting my skill level, some of it comes from trial and error. You know, not everybody responds the same way. And then you learn, you have to step back and read people, listen to people. What are they saying to me to elevate my level of skill? You know, obviously training, going to different trainings, different courses, all help. Training with the DEA, learning body language when someone's talking to you, what different posturing means, different gestures with their hands, what that means. Are they being truthful? Are they being deceitful? Are they very emotional about what they're saying? And all this helps and plays into how to deal with someone, how to help someone. Were there people or factors that provided you with necessary support to take the next steps and get to the next level? Well, I can think back to when I was a child and just the physical presence of seeing a, a sheriff's deputy and how they carried themselves and how they postured themselves. And it's like just them being here, you know, you, you had that moment of immediate respect for their presence. As time went on, as I was growing up, I would notice certain individuals that worked for the sheriff's department. And once I got into the sheriff's department, there is one individual that I have the utmost respect for. And his name is Charlie Moore. He was a Vietnam veteran. He was in a situation serving our country where he was under gunfire and he got pretty shot up. He dragged himself out of the jungle, managed to get help, and was told he could never work. He's permanently disabled. He can never do anything. He came to the sheriff's office, and at the time, the sheriff was Rainer Weisnecker. He said, if you pass the physical agility test, I will hire you. And just his sheer determination of never letting his injuries take control of his life, he succeeded, passed all the physical agilities, and became an outstanding member of the sheriff's department. Back in the 70s, when we were having issues with the so-called drug wars, 
He was so ahead of his time, he said to the reporters, we cannot arrest our way out of this drug war. And those words hold true to today. It's not something we can arrest our way out of. It's something we have to educate everyone about. And Charlie always treated everyone the same. What qualities or attributes do you think are necessary to work in this field? You have to be very strong. You get to see the worst of people. You get to see things that people don't see. Some people will never see something like that in their life. People may say police officers have a sixth sense of humor. If you were exposed to what they are exposed to, you might understand a little bit what that sick sense of humor is. It's a way of dealing with what they're dealing with so it doesn't consume them. Today, you see it more and more, PTSD. You see soldiers taking their own lives. You're seeing police officers taking their own lives more and more. It's pretty traumatic, some of the things that the officers are exposed to. Their average day, maybe just coming in, doing their eight hours, and going home. Maybe they wrote a couple of tickets. The next day they come in, it may be something you never want to see, you never want to hear about, but they have to deal with it, and they have to bring that home with them, and they have to live with that every day, what they say. So you have to be a strong person. You have to have a support unit around you. What are the biggest challenges that you face? I think the biggest challenge today is just having the people understand that we want to help. We're not, we're, we're not your enemy. If you call us, we're here to help you. Be patient, understand, cooperate. It shouldn't be automatically being on the defense with law enforcement. And that's what we see a lot of, is there's this automatic on defense with law enforcement. The way to alleviate that is really through community policing and getting inside. On our end, we've done that here, but get to know the police officers. They're part of your community, and it makes it easier for you as a member of the community, but it also makes the police officers' jobs a little easier. What is the most important thing, or one of the most important things, that you think someone going into this field should know ahead of time? It's very demanding. You're going to lose a lot of sleep. It will affect your health. It's very stressful, but it's a lot of fun. That's surprising to hear that it's a lot of fun. What makes it fun? It's fun to help others. It's fun to make a difference in someone's life for the better. The camaraderie, you you, you hear people say the thin blue line, the thin blue line. That thin blue line is a family. That's a family that understands each other because they all deal with the same types of situations. And to have that, to have that connection where you can go to someone who understands it and you can talk to them is helpful. It's refreshing. You can enjoy each other's company because unfortunately, and I say it to say this, but you're on that same level and you can talk and joke about what you were exposed to, which helps reduce that stress, 
reduces that anxiety. What kind of supports are there available to kind of deal with the stress of being exposed to these kinds of situations? There's what's called peer-to-peer, and you have a group, usually other law enforcement officers, that volunteer their time. So if another officer's having a problem, suffering from some sort of anxiety, feeling that they might hurt themselves, they can reach out and call someone in peer-to-peer who can help them. The other thing you have to understand for a law enforcement officer to do that could mean the end of their career. Because if a law enforcement officer is suffering from a mental illness as a result of what's happened on their job, PTSD specifically, that could be a career ender. And remember, they've all come into this to help others and make a difference and make their communities better. And now that may get ripped away from them. Their means of providing for their family gets ripped away from them. And it takes a lot for them to step up and ask for that help. And I think that's the other reason why you see so much more today's day and age of what's happening. If they're threatened with the loss of losing their career, their livelihood, doesn't that make them less likely to reach out for the support that they actually do need? does make them less likely to reach out. So what's the workaround? Well, recently I've seen that a local hospital is offering their services, no questions asked, for free for emergency service workers. And I think that's the answer to the workaround. You discussed how law enforcement officers, because of their job, are sort of a bit apart from the general population because of their experiences and the attitudes of the public towards law enforcement. So if I'm a young guy or woman considering the career, am I going to lose my friends? Are people going to change their attitude toward me if I want to pursue the profession, the career of in law enforcement? There's probably two ways to answer that. One way is depending on who those friends are. If those friends are in emergency services, fire department, ambulance, odds are they're still going to be your friends. You're still going to really socialize with them because they get it. They understand it. They deal with similar types of situations. Other people that you're friends with that are more in a private sector, that relationship will distance most likely. You may still have the connection, you know each other, but the level that you're on changes. They're dealing with different types of issues than what law enforcement deals with or any emergency service worker deals with. Even your emergency service workers who are 911 operators. You want to talk about someone who feels helpless, get a phone call with someone saying, there's someone in my house and all you can do is just call on a radio and send someone and stay on the phone with them, and you have to listen to everything. That group all understands that because that's what they deal with, and it becomes a support group for each other to try to tell your friend that you used to work with in sales what happened and for them to understand it. You know, let's, let's just go have a drink and 
Well, forget about it. You need someone who's going to listen and help you through it. And that's where the friendships start dividing. So there is some certainly sacrifice there, choosing this profession. I would say so. But it's if it's what you want to do, if it's what you're passionate about, you make sacrifices. And you'll notice that your friends that aren't police officers all of a sudden start asking you legal questions. Well, what if I did this? Uh, Would I get in trouble for that? Or what if I get a ticket for that? How can I get out of this? And all of a sudden you become a legal consultant. How do you think your profession has changed you? I think it's made me harder, as in suppressing emotions. And here again, it goes to what you get exposed to. Uh, certain things you have to bury. So, like I said, you have to be a little bit tough, a little bit stronger. If you're not, it will consume you. There are people that do start out in this career path and quickly realize this is not for me. You know, there's been people that just go to someone who's passed peacefully. That's it. This is not my career. And that's someone who passed peacefully. Is there anything that surprised you or that wasn't the way that you thought it would be in this field? I think the one thing that surprises me and still surprises me to this day is how humanity treats itself. How do you mean? The lack of compassion for another person, the simplicity of just saying thank you to someone, the common courtesy of holding a door for another person. People just don't seem to care about other people. Everybody's self-centered. Well, not everybody. But more and more you see more people are self-centered and just concerned about themselves rather than humanity in a whole. To see what people can do to each other is frightening. Like I said, we get to see people at their worst. And the worst is not pretty. So does that cause you to have a negative opinion of your fellow human beings, I can see how it would. Every once in a while, you still see humanity at its best. And it just gives you hope. Are there any misconceptions that you'd like to dispel? I think one of the misconceptions as you see and hear about is law enforcement using excessive force. It takes a lot to build up to where you have to use a lot of force. And by the time you get to that point, it's pretty bad. I'm not saying that there aren't bad cops out there, but for the one bad cop that is out there, there's probably a hundred good cops out there. So you'd put the ratio at one to a hundred? That's just a guess. But there's a lot of outstanding police officers out there, not just here, but all over the world. And like anything else, You're going to have bad apples, no matter what career it is. You could have someone working in a bank. You could have 30 people there that are outstanding, do the right thing, look out for each other, look out for the patrons that come in and out, and you could have that one person that's skimming. Does that mean they're all doing it? No. Get to know them. Police officers are people, too. They're human beings. They do have emotions. They tend to suppress a lot of them, but they like to go to ball games. 
They like to go fishing with their kids. They like to go out with the significant other. They like to enjoy life just like everybody else. They're all human. Tell us about the best part and the worst part of your job. I think the best part that I've experienced was actually knowing that I made a difference and having someone I arrested who had an addiction problem and talking with them. And then probably a year, a year and a half later, working a graduation detail and having somebody come up to me very happy and thanking me profusely. And I had no idea who it was. But it was a young lady whose life I changed who cleaned herself up. The worst part are the things people don't see. When you're standing in a road and you're walking, I don't even know if this is appropriate to talk about, but when someone was in a car and the driver lost control, hit a tree, peeled the side of the car open, and that person's head hit a tree. If you can picture a watermelon falling off of a building, what that looks like. And you have to stand in that for hours on end. That's probably the worst part. What do you do to decompress after something like that? Back in those days, you deal with it. You suppress it. You become harder. Today, we have resources to send the officers to, to talk about it. And that has to be on a voluntary basis. It's not forced compliance. Like I said, the career can make you harder. It can make you less sensitive to things. But those mechanisms also help you survive. What about you personally? What... I mean, do you, is there a workout that you do or a meditation practice or something like that, that, that you do personally, that you take on, on your own to kind of just put some of that down? I think doing things at home, being it's a small farm helps with that. Another good thing is walking. Any, any type of activity that releases the endorphins in your brain helps, whether it's hiking going to a gym and working out, just enjoying, if you like nature, enjoying nature or sporting activities, things that keep you active that, you know, release those chemicals in your brain. But physical exercise is usually the best thing that someone can do to release those chemicals in their brain to help with that, you know, how have innovations and new procedures affected your work? Technology is making our job easier. However, on the other end of it, it makes it easier for some criminals to conduct their illegal activities. Technology has made it easier for us to help locate people who either suffer from Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, autistic persons, through something that we, we call it Project Lifesaver, where they have an actual GPS bracelet that we give to them. And should they go missing, we have a receiver that will pick up that GPS and it enables us to locate those people. So there, that technology, which was normally used to track animals in the wild, whether it was tracking migration paths or just keeping track of a bear that was tagged because it was taken out of a residential area, 
they've taken that technology and transferred it over to helping find people who wander off. Drones are another perfect example of technology that's made it easier for law enforcement. It's a lot easier to spend $10,000 on something rather than millions of dollars on a helicopter and maintaining that helicopter and being able to get the same results. Laws have changed, which make our job a little bit more difficult and a little bit more frustrating, and laws will continue to change. Different policies that are set down by the state affect how we operate, and then we have to adapt to that. If you could change any aspect of it, what would you change? I wouldn't change anything that we're doing, because I think we're in a really good place. I think, no, I know that in a whole, the community is happy with how the officers are interacting with their communities. I know the officers are happy with the environment that they work in. Everything starts at the top and trickles down. If you have a bad boss, you're going to have bad employees. My behavior affects their behavior. If there is one thing that I could change, I would have more officers on the street. And that's a budgetary issue, right? Correct. That would require legislative approval. Would you recommend it to people suited to it? Getting involved in law enforcement? Yes. I would recommend it. I have no regrets in my career path choice. And the only thing I could say is if you think you're interested in it, try it. If you don't like it, move on to another career path. It's not the end of the world. There's no shame in saying, this is not for me. I think you're a bigger person if you admit to yourself and you admit to others, this is not my career path. You know, thank you for the opportunity. I think the people who choose to stay, you're outstanding, but it's just not for me. Tell us how, how you get into law enforcement within the sheriff's department. What, what are the, what's the trajectory? Well, the first step is to take a civil service exam, which is usually offered by the state. You have to be in the top three of that scoring. And top three is not the top three people. It's the top three grouping. If you have one person with a hundred and you have 10 people with a 95, the hundred is number one. The 95 below that hundred is number two and all the other 95s are number three. Those are your top three to pick from. I don't believe testing actually offers you the best candidates for law enforcement. There are some people who are poor test takers that would be outstanding police officers. I think that needs to be looked at and reevaluated. Can you take the test again? You can take the test again. It's usually offered three years later. So the first step is taking the test. What comes next? Well, once you pass the test, you have to take a physical agility test, which you also have to pass. Running, push-ups, sit-ups. If you pass that, that will play into your being reachable on a list. When an opening occurs at an agency, and I'll speak for my agency only, we will call in candidates that are in that grouping and interview all of them. But before we get to that part, 
letters are sent out. See, are you interested in this job? They may have gotten a job at another agency and they're no longer interested. But once we have established who's interested in the job, they are reachable, we interview them all. And then we evaluate who we believe is the best choice. And we'll we'll group them. You know, this we believe this is the number one choice, this is the number two choice, this is the number three choice. And the process for my agency is it's all the command staff that sit in on that interview and ask questions of the candidate to get a better idea who they are. And it's a very relaxed atmosphere and we let them know it's relaxed. You know, you can ask questions of us as well. What are the most desirable agencies to work for? I think that's more of a individual type level because someone's going to choose their career path depending on where they want to make a difference. Some, they may just choose it, hey, I want to work for the federal government. Others may choose it basically because I can get a job with the federal government, let's say the FBI or the Secret Service, do my 20 years, get out of that, and then I could take a law enforcement career in my local police agency and get another pension system. It all depends on the individual. I don't see, and personally myself, one being more prestigious than the other. Does one have more authority than another? Yes, I have. The sheriff's office has more authority over the town and village PDs. The state police has more authority over sheriff's offices simply because they have more jurisdiction. A state agency has the entire state. Sheriffs have a county. Towns have the town. Villages have a village. Federal, you have the U.S., you have other territories. I think it all comes down to the individual. And in today's day and age, we all work together. Now everyone gets sharing information, makes us stronger, helps us serve everyone better, and helps us make everyone safer. Is there anything you've always wanted to do or achieve that you haven't yet in your career? I'm actually where I want to be in my career. It's something that I had thought about doing when I was young in the department. It's something that kind of fell in the back shadows of a dark closet after I'd retired. And it's actually like a dream come true. How long had you been retired before you came back? Ten years. So you were brought out of retirement specifically for the sheriff's role? I would say the fair answer to that is yes. I was asked if I would consider doing it, considering that it may impact other things. It was discussed, and ultimately we decided that it was something that we could do and that I was probably the most qualified person to run for the position, having more experience in all the different aspects of the operations of the department than who was there previously. However, sheriff is, I believe, the only elected law enforcement position or one of the few. So did you have to learn new skills to be a politician also? I don't consider myself to be a politician. First and foremost, I'll always be a public servant. What advice would you give to someone who's considering a career in this field? The one piece of advice I can give them is it's going to be stressful on you. It's going to be much more stressful on the loved ones around you. Not every agency has a fixed shift. Some shifts rotate. 
You could be working an eight to four one week. The next week you could be working midnight to eight. It does take a toll on relationships. These are all things you have to consider. Is there anything we haven't covered here that you think it's important for anyone considering uh, a similar path to know? I would do it all over again. If it's something you're thinking about doing, just follow your heart. Do it. Don't give it a second thought. You'll know if this is what you were meant to do. And if you're not meant to do it, you'll know right away. But you can always say, I tried. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. To hear more and subscribe, visit our website, professionalconfessionals.com. You can find Professional Confessionals on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.